Good morning. Let's continue worshiping together with the reading of the word. I invite you to stand. If you'd like to look up the passages in scripture, first we're in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15, and then Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The second text won't be on the screen if you'd like to look in your Bible. It's Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21, or I invite you to just listen to these words. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today, and welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I'm Pastor Joy. And today, we are midstream in a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And so right now, we are in the middle of the your portion as we approach our loving and present Father. So this section, these three weeks, will focus on God, your name, your kingdom, your will. Last week, Pastor Simon began this section by teaching that hallowed be your name is a call to lift up the name of our Lord while humbling ourselves and being willing to carry his name with us. And this week, your kingdom And we're going to today, in this message, drill down into three questions about this petition. First, what is this kingdom? And second, when is this kingdom? And third, what does this mean for us today? But before we get into that, because this is kind of dense, we're going to start with a little game. And it is kind of a quiz, but there is no prize or grades. So just the joy of winning. Um, and those of you who are history buffs are going to have an advantage here. I'll just name that. I'm going I'm to read out a presidential campaign slogan, and you can try to guess it. Now, if you just felt your cortisol like, I, I want you to know all of these are at least 80 years old, so you can relax. Okay. So um, these won't be on the screen. You just have to listen. So first presidential campaign slogan. We're going to go for like about the time and who it was for, right? This is an easier one because it has a hint in it. Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. Anyone? Louisa? Yes, William Henry Harrison. Anybody know about the time that was? 
Yes, bingo, that was right. Okay, pat yourself on the back, that was amazing. Um, here's another one, a square deal for all. A square deal, Louisa. Oh, it's okay. This wasn't his, this was someone else's earlier. They had to get this president a bigger bathtub. Yes. Okay, William Howard Taft, 1908. Um, one more. The man of the eight-hour day. Man of the eight-hour day? No one? Okay. Uh, that's Woodrow Wilson, 1912. You can tell what he was about, right? In that, in that you can be like, oh, eight-hour workday, right? So um, anyway... Good job. Great, great U.S. history there, Luis. Thank you. You know, as we think about uh, campaign slogans, sometimes at the best, they're quite helpful, right? They, they tell us about what the candidate is trying to be all about, what they're for or what they're against. And I think the best campaign slogans do inspire hope and action. Like a, a really good one was 1864, Abraham Lincoln, unity, liberty, peace. That's a good campaign slogan, isn't it? I really appreciate that one. You know, Jesus had a kind of campaign slogan. Not that he was running for office, but he did proclaim that with him a new era had come. Jesus' campaign slogan was a declaration of hope in that the kingdom of God has come near. And so today, whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we get to that line, your kingdom come, we are connecting with Jesus' campaign, your kingdom come. And when we pray this, we're acknowledging two things. That first, Jesus is king, right? Because it's not your kingdom if you're not the king, right? Your kingdom come. And that only God brings the kingdom. We're praying this to God. Your kingdom come. You bring it, God. Only God. Not you or me. Not Abraham Lincoln, even though that was a really good presidential slogan. Only Jesus. And this is the main point of Jesus' life and teachings. With him, with Jesus, the kingdom has begun. Now, I want to say this really clearly because sometimes we assume that Jesus' campaign slogan is something different. Some people will say that Jesus was all about love. Maybe you've heard that. Now, Jesus did talk about love. But, but did you know that in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, they're called the synoptics because they're similar to one another, Jesus doesn't actually talk about love that much. He does some. Love the Lord your God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemies. But this is not his campaign slogan. Now, some might think, especially Protestants, that Jesus was all about justification by faith. That wasn't Jesus. That was Paul. What Jesus talked about, Jesus' campaign slogan, if you will, is the kingdom of God. That's his primary message. He talked about it a ton in his teachings. It's often like the punchlines of his stories. This is what he sent his disciples out to proclaim when he sent out the 72, proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. The word kingdom itself occurs about 160 times in the New Testament, and 116 of these times are within Matthew, Mark, and Luke when Jesus is talking, and many of these are within the context of the phrase, the kingdom of God in Luke and Mark, or the kingdom of heaven 
in Matthew. And Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven synonymously with the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom of God? When we pray, your kingdom come, are we waiting for a king with a crown to enter on a white horse with a battalion of military behind him? Are we waiting for a heavenly castle to descend from the sky? What is the kingdom of God? Well, this passage that we read in Mark actually answers this question quite well, the the end part of it. Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So let's look at this a bit more closely. Good news that occurs twice in this verse. Um, The Greek word for this is euangelion, which sounds a lot like evangelical, right? That's where we get that word. This is sometimes translated the gospel. It might be like that in your Bible. What it means in Greek literally is good news or good tidings, right? A great proclamation. And the good news that Jesus proclaims answers the longings in God's people's hearts for a king. Because for centuries, God's people have longed for a king. This is one of the major themes of the Hebrew scriptures. We can read these stories in Samuel and Kings. If you didn't, I encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Lars' sermon series in November about the the wish, give us a king. And, And God answers the Israelites' requests. He gives them a king when they ask, right? But all their kings are flawed. Even the greatest king, King David, who was described as a man after God's own heart. He gets into trouble for an illicit relationship with Bathsheba and killing her husband. He ignores sexual abuse within his own household. And he leads a census when God gives him direct instructions otherwise. But God had promised to David that he would have an ancestor on the throne forever. But my love will never be taken away from him, David, or the ancestor of David, descendant of David, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And so God's people have been waiting and longing for a king, a king from the line of David to reclaim the throne, to build God's house, to be a son of God, to sit on the throne forever. And this is why when Gabriel visits Mary over a thousand years later, he connects the work of Jesus to David. Gabriel says, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So what's the good news? It's that God has come as king in the person of Jesus. And we see this gospel story, this good news story, throughout the whole storyline of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as they tell the whole life of Jesus. Each aspect of Jesus' life is related to this kingdom proclamation. Jesus' royal birth puts him in line to the eternal throne promised to David. Jesus' miracles show the presence of God's kingdom in Jesus himself. 
Jesus' teachings proclaim what the kingdom of God is like and how to live within it. We see this especially in the Sermon on the Mount, and a lot of the text for the song we sang during offering was taken from the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Sermon on the Mount is a manual for those who want to participate in the kingdom of God. Jesus' sacrificial death atoned for sins of those who would otherwise be condemned to judgment outside the kingdom. And as Pastor Simon pointed out on Good Friday, which again, if you did not hear that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Jesus' crucifixion was his coronation, a crown, a sign that said, King of the Jews. Jesus' resurrection establishes him as the firstborn of the dead and shows us what resurrection life is like in God's kingdom. And finally, Jesus' ascension sits him at the right hand of God from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. And so you see why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the Gospels, because they tell the good news story of King Jesus, your kingdom come. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. The good news is the announcement of the kingdom. God has come as king in the person of Jesus. Your kingdom come. So, next question. When is the kingdom of God? Well, let's go back to that verse in Mark. Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So we're looking at the phrase, the time is fulfilled. Another Greek word uh, for time, kairos here. There's actually two Greek words for time, chronos. You can hear how that sounds like chronological. That's like your clock, your calendar, right? Chronos. And then there's kairos, and, and that's a different kind of time. That You can't really schedule kairos. It, it's not a meeting time. It's It's an epoch. It's the right time. It's the appointed time. The kairos is fulfilled. Then is fulfilled, right? This is, in this phrase, this is actually the first word which emphasizes it. So it it kind of more says, fulfilled it is the time. Present tense, though. So it's fulfilling. The The time is fulfilling. It's present tense right now. But here it sounds past tense. Your Bible might say the time is at hand, which makes it sound like it's about to happen, but not yet. And, and so it can be confusing here. When is it? When is the time fulfilled? Is the kingdom of God now, or is it still to come? Well, yes and yes. The kingdom of God has started. It's already in a sense. You see all the work that God has done in Christ to begin the kingdom, all this stuff, and some of it, the atonement, is finished, right? But the kingdom is still yet to be, which we witness today with Yogi's testimony about what's going on in the church in India, right? It's still yet to be. It's still not right. Things are still broken, and so there's this tension. It's here. Jesus said it's here. We witness it many, many days and many times, but also it's not here. And so one way this is described is the already but not yet. This is a great phrase for us as Christians to embrace. Already but not yet of the kingdom of God. And you can actually see this in the graphic we're using for the sermon series. This 
part where heaven and earth are overlapping, heaven as God's space, right? Heaven as God's space, it's overlapping, it's coming together, but it's not quite over it yet, right? Already, but not yet. And this already, but not yet of the kingdom, this place, the intersection, that is wherever the king reigns. And this is what it means for us. This is what it means when we join with our brothers and sisters in Christ and pray, your kingdom come. It means, God, you have come to us in the person of Jesus, the ancestor of David, the one who showed us and taught us so that we could know what your kingdom is like, the one who died on the cross so that we could be in the presence of God in his kingdom, your kingdom, Jesus, your kingdom, may it come. May it come in my life and in my household and in my street and in my workplace. And may we join in this campaign of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what is this kingdom like? I mean, should we be looking for crowns and jewels and a battalion of soldiers in the finest armor? Not really, Jesus said. Jesus said what the kingdom, of light, uh, the kingdom of God is like, and actually it sounds quite ordinary. He said, what is this kingdom of God like, and to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. But these things, a mustard seed and yeast, they're small. They're inconsequential, almost. They're really easy to vacuum up, really easy to lose. But they have huge ramifications. So this mustard seed, it's the black kind. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's the black kind that you might find in some pickles or in Indian food. It's an annual plant, not a perennial. It has to be replanted every year, but it's funny. Nobody plants these in their gardens, really. It's a a weed. It grows wild in fields. They reseed themselves. You can, if you're interested in foraging, you can eat it. It's really good for you. But if you don't want this kind of wild mustard to overtake your garden, you have to be really vigilant. You have to dig it out because it can take over. Sometimes people call a plant like this invasive. It's not just some little weed either. It is about nine feet tall. And then there's the yeast. And if you're thinking of like a little packet of red star yeast, get that out of your mind. That's not what Jesus was talking about. The kind he's talking about is sourdough starter, where you have flour and water and you mix it together, and you let it ferment at room temperature. And the naturally occurring enzyme amylase starts to break down the starch into sugar so that the natural yeast can metabolize and begin to release carbon dioxide. And voila, that's why it's bubbling, it's leaven. And then you mix the leaven with three measures of flour and bake it, and you have artisan bread, the kind that costs $9.99 a loaf at a fancy shop. But just like the seed, the leaven itself is small. It's invisible almost. 
mixed into everything else, but it makes all the difference. And this is what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's the almost invisible seed that invades a field, offering nutritious food for people and flowers for insects. It's like the yeast that turns heavy bread into something light and wonderful to eat. And that bread is wonderful. I had some for breakfast. It makes all the difference. It's small. And then suddenly, what would you do without it? And when we pray, your kingdom come, this is the kind of power we're praying for. The invisible power of the seed and the yeast, the weed that breaks the sidewalk. And it's slow, but it's here. Naturally leavened bread takes a real long time to rise. And it takes a while for a field to slowly become all mustard, but it will happen. God is faithful, and he will do it. It just takes the eyes to see. The eyes to see and the patience. The patience to wait for it all. And the prayer to repeat with Christ, your kingdom come. Another metaphor that works here is that of pregnancy, right? It starts small. No one knows, not even the mother. But one day, one day, nine months later, there is no holding that baby in. It's time. Because the kingdom of God is now and is coming. We are in what the Apostle Paul called the birth pangs of redemption. The baby has been conceived and is kicking in the womb and is about to be delivered. It is at hand. We are on the verge of delivery and in the mystery of things. Praying the Lord's Prayer is part of that process by which it all happens. Because we all get to be present at wit- as witnesses. We get to say, come on, Lord. You can do it. Make your kingdom come. We are ready. We are worshiping Jesus. He is king already over our lives, our homes, our phones, our words, our actions. He's our king. Our allegiance lies with no one else. We don't trust our existence and happiness on hope on those other stupid slogans, only on you, King Jesus. Your kingdom come. Now, I'm not going to assume that all of us have this posture truly in our hearts. Some of us want the benefits and blessings of God's kingdom without aligning ourselves to Jesus' rule, without saying, yes, Jesus, be king over my life too. I'll put my hope in you. I'll deny all other campaign slogans and follow you in your kingdom that I can't always see because I trust you. I trust that you're the hope of the world and the hope of my life. Your kingdom come here and here. You know, Jesus opened God's kingdom to all people. It's not an exclusive club, but receiving Jesus' kingship over our lives means doing what Jesus preached in that passage in Mark, repenting. That just means turning turning our lives from other campaigns, turning from selfishness, self-centeredness, turning from idolatry, worship of self. It means submission, bowing before Jesus with our hands up and saying, all that I am, all that I have is yours. I receive you as my king and I will follow you. The kingdom of God is a huge idea. I could preach on this for a month (laughs) Um, And maybe you're wondering, what does this mean for everyday life, right? What does this mean for every day? I I believe Jesus is my Savior and my King. What does this mean for me every day, though? 
And this is what I'd say. The kingdom of God is one of the most hopeful realities in scripture because of the already but not yet. This means that sometimes it's kind of like this plant here. In this beautiful moment of life, there are these wonderful moments of life, you know, in these wonderful moments of life. Maybe after you've had one of those conversations where you felt listened to and loved, you made a great relational connection with someone, maybe praying with someone, right? Or at those moments when you get to hold a baby or, or when you've done really well in work and school to the glory of God, or when you've hiked a canyon, or worshipped in the sanctuary, or witnessed an answer to prayer, you can think, yes, God, I am experiencing the beauty of your kingdom already. Your kingdom come. Yes, amen. But sometimes the not yet is like the cracks in the sidewalk. These moments of personal brokenness, great despair and disappointment and depression, and when the healing you prayed for does not happen, when the leader or teacher or parent or child lets you down, when the baby dies, when you're disappointed in yourself or someone else and you're at the end of your rope, and when you do your best at work or school and you're just Overlook time and again, times when the kingdom of God is obviously not yet those cracks in the sidewalk moment, then you put your hope in Jesus along with him and say, your kingdom come. I'm experiencing the not yet. I am in that crack. I'm the crack. (laughs) Your kingdom come. And in those moments, those moments of already or not yet, you might pray, God, show us the invisible. Show us those seeds growing into plants the world doesn't understand. Show us that yeast causing the bread to rise. Show us what we overlook all the time, God. Show us your kingdom. And by your spirit, make us citizens to live in it. Your kingdom come, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Amen. What we're doing as response each week during this series is having a time of prayer after this, right? This is going to prepare us to pray the Lord's Prayer more authentically, more truthfully, more vulnerably. So before we do this today, I wondered if you have any prayer requests that we can bring to God together, needs of the world, prayers for the kingdom, and the already and the not yet. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, thank God for Steve and his life. And um, we also remember Jeannie Morey, Doug Morey's sister, who passed away this past early Friday morning with family after some suffering. So um, we'll, we'll remember her and her family and be thankful that she is absent from the body but present with the Lord. Lars? Just praying for um, prayers for my dad right now. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Thanks, Lars. We'll be in prayer for Bob Stromberg, uh, successful surgery and just prayer as they continue with the biopsy and that. Yes. Prayer for unbelievers. Yes, yes. Um, Yes, and I know that as we pray for this, let us name people in our hearts and minds who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who don't have hope in the kingdom that Jesus has established and will establish. Thank you. So, yes. Can you share his name? Gregory. Gregory. Wow. Um, a miraculous coincidence <laughs> of a, heart, a health struggle on a sidewalk, but right in front of a home of doctors who were there who were able to help him. And um, last night he was able to eat dinner. So that's wonderful. Yeah. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, as we have before, we're going to repeat this first part a bit. And then thy kingdom come. There's going to be an open space. And let us pray for God's kingdom to, to be, continue to be established, for those circles to continue to move over in front of each other. Uh, you can name in the li- a person that you know, a workplace, a home, a neighborhood, a street. Let's be specific. I think it's good to be specific in our prayers. And then um, I will add these prayers to the people, and then we'll continue with the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Let's do that again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And God, we pray for your kingdom to come for recognition, for people's eyes to be opened to the little mustard seeds that become a whole field, to the yeast that leavens the whole amount of dough. And we name before you these people, situations, and locations, inviting your kingdom to be evident. invite you to pray, my friends. God, we lift up the grieving families for those who have died this past week. The Burson family and the loss of Steve and the Maury family with the loss of Jeannie. God, even in the tragedy of death, may your kingdom shine through, especially for those 
who do not have hope in Christ. May they witness that the hope of the believers is mysterious and beautiful, and may they ask questions and be led to relationship with you. We pray, too, for our friends at Trinity Oaklawn Church, where Pastor Simon is preaching today, that your kingdom will be evident in their church body and in their neighborhoods. We thank you for your provision over Bob Stromberg and his surgery this past week, that it went so well. We pray for good news from the biopsy. And we, in our hearts, name families and friends who do not know you, Jesus. May we be proclaimers of the kingdom to them. May we be proclaimers of the hope we have in you and your kingdom that only you bring. And now we continue praying the Lord's Prayer together. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue responding by singing hymn number 699. You can look at the words on the screen or they're in your hymnal. Let us stand and worship God, our King. Amen. 